Kedushin Dav Tes Zayin. We're starting from with Gemara, five lines down. Where the Gemara says Ubishtar. So we're discussing a, a Kenyan of an Evid Ivri. So Evid Ivri is a regular Jew, but uh, he's sold in slavery one or two ways. We've discussed Machor Basin or Machor Atzmo. So the Mishnah says that we're talking about the methods of Kenyan. So we discussed the method of Kenyan of Kesef. We provided a source for all the types of Evid Ivri. Now we're up to Shtar. How do we know that writing a document works? So the Gemara says, Minalan, Amar Ula, Amar Kara. The Pasuk says, Here by Amma Ha'ivriya. So this is just the female version of the, of the Evid Ivri. So the Pasuk says, If he takes another wife. So here the Pasuk is uh, referring to the scenario where perhaps the Amma Ivriya was taken and then she ends up marrying the master and then the master has another wife. He still has to you know, honor his uh, marital responsibilities toward the Amma Ivriya. So the Pasuk, anyways, in context, is talking about He took another wife in addition to Amma Ivriya. So there's a comparison between the Amma Ivriya and the regular, the other wife, which is taken after her, who was not previously the maidservant. So Macher is just as the other wife, the regular scenario of a man being Makadish and Isha. He could be, be Makadish or with a, with a document. We know that. We've learned the Isha nicknames begin with Rachel in that way. So the Hekish here tells us that with Amma Ivriya, she also, when she's being bought as a servant, when she's, bong, when she's being bought as a slave, she could be Koma with a Shtar. Now, this is bringing bring us back to something that we learned back on Daftes. That on Daftes, we learned that what normally happens when a person sells something, let's say I sell a field, the Shtar that's, that, that, that acquires or sells the, sells the field is written from the perspective of the seller. Usually it's written for the Divrei HaMakna, and the Divrei HaMakna are from the Meicher. However, the Gemara noted that the Shtar of Kedushin is done from the perspective of the Kona. It's done from the perspective of the husband, despite the fact that the Isha is the Makna. She's the one who is Makna in her, in the Isha's back to the husband. So that's an interesting phenomenon. So how does that play out here by Avadim? So there's actually about a dispute over here when you have an Amaha Ivriya, uh, again, a, a young female maidservant who's being sold by her father, Whose perspective is the star written from? Is it from the perspective of the father, of the seller, like it is, let's say, by regular real estate, or is it from the perspective of the buyer, from the master? So the Gemara says, If you say that it's written by the Adon, by the master, despite the fact that he's the Kona, he's still the one who writes it, then everything is good. What do we mean everything is good? It could be the source that we said was good. It's, it's it, the, the source for Kenyan stars and Macharasikachlo. We're saying it's compared to uh, uh, a person being Kona and wife. There, just as over there, the perspective is where the perspective of the star is from the Kona, from the husband. So to here, it's the master who would write the star. That would show us that the source Taka is from this comparison to Isha. So we're going to bring in a second that there's an opinion that it's the maidservant's father, the seller who writes it. What does that show? That has got nothing to do with the Shtar Kedushin. The Shtar Kedushin is the husband, the Kona, who's writing it. But here it's the father who's selling who's writing it. So according to that opinion, my clearly we're not basing it off of the comparison to Isha because Isha is written from the Baal, here it's written from the Makna. He, clearly there must be a different source for Kenya Shtar by Eved Ivri. And what is this dispute? Itmar, the Gemara just shows us some names on this. Shtar Amma Ivri Mikosvo. From whose perspective is the Shtar of Amma Ivri written? Rav Huna Amar Adon Kosvo. It is the master, the Kona, who writes it from his perspective. Rav Chis Amar Av Kosvo. So on Yichol Rav Huna, we see it's like an Eved, it's like a, it's like, it's like a Kedushin. So that could be that the source was from the, what we said in Machar Sikachlo. El Rav Chista, that it's written from the perspective of the seller, from the father's perspective. So it's like regular Kenyan Shah, regular real estate being sold where it's written for the 
the perspective of the Makhtim, Ma'ikla Mimar. What is the source? Clearly, it's not from Imacheres Yikachlo, from the fact that it's different from Ishtar Kedushin. So, again, another attempt now what the source is for a Kenyan Shtar by Evid Ivri. Amar of Achabar Yaakov, Amar Kra, it says about the Evid Ivri. So she shouldn't leave in the same way that a slave who's a Kanani leaves. A Kanani has their own way, and I have a Kanani who literally becomes an asset of the owner. Kishorah of Achamora has their way of leaving, and a Hebrew maidservant has a different way of leaving. We'll talk in exactly a little bit what the Pasuk is referring to. But anyways, overall, the Pasuk is saying that the leaving is not in the same way. You don't leave as a Hebrew slave in the same way that a Kanani slave leaves. So the Mashmoah is the inference, but in terms of the way that it's acquired, even though the leaving is not the same, but the acquisition, the method of Kenyan, that is the same. What is the Pasuk teaching us? That there's some halach of Kenyan which is done by which is done by Evi Kinani, which we're saying is also done by Evi Ivri. My new, what are we referring to? Shtar must be referred to the Kenyan Shtar. That's what the Pasuk's telling us. The same way Evi Kinani is nicknamed Shtar, so to Evi Ivri is nicknamed Shtar. Now, obviously, you might want to know how do we know Evi Kinani is nicknamed Shtar? So that is a sugya later coming up later on when we're going to get to Evi Kinani. But the answer is Evi Kinani is hukash takarka, like a piece of land. Just as a piece of land is nicknamed Shtar, so to Evi Kinani is hukash Shtar. And now the Gemara is now that we know Evi Kinani is with Shtar. This inference. That you don't leave like a, like a Kanani slave, but you are in, that you are acquired in the method that an Evi Kanani is, is nicknamed, teaches us that there's a Kenyan Shtar. Maybe the Torah is telling you that you're nicknamed by Kenyan Chazaka, because an Evi Kanani is nicknamed by Chazaka. Chazaka is when like, you show that you're the owner. So that would be like if you force the slave to carry out an act of service for you. That would be Kenyan Chazaka. So maybe that's what the Torah is saying, that Evid Ivri is also nicknamed by Kenyan Chazaka. Says the Gemara, we know that that's not true because we have a Mead from a different Pasuk. That the idea is them, we're talking about the Kanani slaves in this Pasuk, they, the Kanani slaves, become a Nachla that the, your children will inherit. What it's saying is this idea that the, the, the Osam is coming to say only they are considered possessions that you, you know, pass on as inheritance. Nothing else is considered a possession. And in that sense, we're coming to say that it's not something which is shy of the Kenyan Chazaka. So Chazaka is excluded from the fact that the Torah is saying Evid Ivri is not something passed down. So how do we know we got the we got the Joshua right? All you're saying is that there's something unique about Evid Kanani different than, than, than Evid Ivri. So maybe apply that to say Evid Kanani can be nicknamed with a document, but Evid Ivri is not with a document. So, how did you know that Pasuk was excluding Chazaka more so than Shtar? Says the Gemara, because remember we had a drasha. We know that there's something with, which is compared that, that, that even though that Evi, the same method of Kenyan for Evi Kanani applies to Evi Ivri. Says the Gemara, yeah, but Mara Isa. How do you know which one is which? In other words, yes, we know between Shtar and Chazaka, one of them is going to work and one of them is not going to work. But how do we know if we have to choose one of the two to apply to Evi Ivri? We don't know which one from reading the Pesukim, so how do you know which one to apply from the Joshua's? Says the Gemara, Mestavar Shtar, we find Shtar is a greater Kayach HaKinyan. Why? Because we know that Get is effective. So Chazaka is not effective. You can't free a wife with Chazaka. Get is. So the Gemara is just showing us that in general, the more powerful method is a Shtar than a Chazaka from the fact that there's a concept of a Get. So the Gemara, you're going to go down that route. Adarab, let's just say the opposite. Chazaka, we see Chazaka, let's say there's a Nechassim, there's property of a Ger who dies without any Yarshim. How are you Kona his property? You show you're the owner. You make a Chazaka on it. There's no Kenyan of Shtar there because obviously you're not making a Kenyan together with anyone. You just make a 
Chazaka. So if anything, I see that the power of Chazaka is stronger than the power of Shtar. So maybe by every every there's Kenyan there's Kenyan Chazaka, not Kenyan Shtar. Says the Gemara, "Be me as That's not within marriage. Within laws that applies to marriage on some level, we don't find such a thing. We don't find by Ishus that it is Shtar that has more. So therefore, the Gemara is saying, if you have to apply now to a maidservant, and remember, this is very important. Whenever you're buying a maidservant, we spoke about this concept. It's not only a Kenyan of slavery, but it's also a theoretical uh, Kenyan that you're going to make that's leading towards marriage as well because he can marry her. So therefore, Klape her is more, uh, the assumption is stronger that it should be a Kenyan of Shtar than a Kenyan of Chazaka. And once I find it by Amah Ivri all that way, I'm going to assume by Evid Ivri it's like that, that, like that as well. So it's a little, what's coming out in the Gemara is that after all is said and done, what is our source? For Kenyan style, you don't leave like Avadim leave, but you're Kona the way Avadim are Kona. And we're saying that means Shtar. There's another Pasuk that says that the Kenyan on them are not the same. That we say is the Kenyan of Chazach. Now the Gemara gives us a different answer. Remember, originally we tried saying that it comes from Acheres that there was a Hukash, a Hakash to Isha. The problem that we had was that according to Rav Huna, it was the master who was writing it and not the father was masking it, so, so, so we show that it's different. So we're answering no, that, that, that really the source is what we're saying from Los Ah, you're not going to know if it's Shtar Chazaka. Klape that, I could say the Hekish to Imacheres Yikachlo, the Hekish to a wife, that in the supplement, supplementing our drasha to show us, to point us in the right direction, that it's Shtar. But it's like an interesting thing, because it's not exactly the way that a Shtar of Kedushin helps. So it's like we're, we're, we're relying on the Acheres Yikachlo uh, just to say just a little bit to help steer us clear to help steer us straight that the other drasha that we're really relying on is referring to Kenyan Shtar not Kenyan Chazaka so we're relying on it but not relying on it and that's why there is a Kenyan Shtar but it's different from a Shtar Kedusha says the Gemara for Rav Huna Rav Huna so what happened was Rav Chista learned it from Lo Seitze. So according to Rav Huna, what is he darshan from the Pasuk? It shouldn't leave like the way a slave leaves. So now we understand what the Pasuk is really coming to say. What does it mean a Hebrew slave does not leave like a Kanani slave? What it's referring to is that when you knock off the tip of a limb of an Evi Kanani, let's say you knock out their eye, that's always the, the best example. Shame and the halach is they go free. And that every has no such halacha. Even if one of the tips of their limbs is knocked out, they do not go free. Says the Gemara, so how does Rav Chista learn both? Rav Chista, Imkain, if that's all the Pasuk was coming to tell us, don't leave like slaves. My kid say sa'avadim, what's the extra word here? Don't leave like the leaving of a slave. We see both points that it's also coming to tell us that you can be acquired in the method of acquisition that a regular, that a regular slave is going to, and that is Kenyan Shtar. Okay, we go weiter now. The Mishnah was telling us, how does a Hebrew slave go free? Now we, we know how he's acquired, how does he go free? So the first thing he goes free, the Hebrew slave, is that he's sold for only six years. After six years, he goes free. That's open in the apostle. He goes out free. Yovel, right? That's a scenario where Yovel comes. Remember, Yovel can free, we learned a couple days ago, either if it's in the middle of his six-year term, or if Yovel can free after he decided to become a Nirtza. Begirion Kasef, the third method where you deduce the, the, the purchase price. In other words, if he was sold for $100, he worked for three years, there's three years left, he pays $50 and leaves. Amar what's the source? Amar Krav he causes her to be redeemed. That means that the master is assisting in a certain sense. He's reducing the price of the redemption. Whatever is still on the tab has not been put into work. So he, they, she pays for that. And then uh, after paying the remainder to the master, she goes free. Says the Gemara Tana, we learn in a price of 
Kasef Ubishtah. The Hebrew servant here, he can become free through money or by giving an item which is worth money. So it doesn't have to be actual currency. It could be an item worth money or a document. So the Gemara says, again, we're talking about now not being acquired but going free. So it's not the Marbishlam Kasef. What does it mean? Money, that's what we just said. Mikasef makes himself and the money of, that, of his acquisition. And we're saying that's Giroyan uh, Kasef. Shava Kasef Nami, the idea that it doesn't have to be actual currency. We learn this from the language of the Pasuk, Yashiv Gula, so he repays his redemption. Amar Achwana, what is those actual words? Shava Kasef, even if it's not currency itself, we say Yashiv, he repays, even in a way of, of something which is worth money. Ayla High Star, by the way, it's interesting to be shown on that base proof from here. Shava Kasef Kasef is not intuitive, it's only something which comes from a drasha. We've shown him are very bothered. How come then by Kedusha we didn't have a drasha? We just assume if you give a woman a ring instead of giving her currency, it works. How do we know that? Here you need a drasha. That was what we've shown him. No. Regarding a star, what is the case? What is the case of him going free with a document? Maybe the case is that the servant writes the master a note for his money, meaning basically he's writing an IOU note. Instead of giving him money or something worth money, he writes him a star that, that he is indebted to give the money. Says the Gemara, Kasef. That's the same Kenyan as Kasef. Just instead of giving the Kasef, you're giving it in the form of an IOU note. Is that true generally? If you have to make a Kenyan Kasef, if you write a star that you owed the money, that's, it, that, that's tantamount to giving Kasef, that's the way it works. Why? Because now he has access to money by giving the star? It's Shown him, I'm very bothered by that here. It sounds like in the Gemara that there's a star works as Kasef, but it could also be what the Gemara is just saying is that if it would work, it's just going down the method of Kasef. It's not an independent Kenyan of Shah. So the Gemara says, fine. And clearly, that's not what it means. Ella Shikhar, you have to say when it says Shah, it means that the master wrote, I am freeing you in a document. So this is what normally you do. It's like divorce. You would do that also for a Kanani slave. So we're saying that works for Evid Ivri also. You write to the Evid Ivri. In a document, I'm freeing you. So now we get one of the most basic Yisaitis of the Gemara. Frag the Gemara, Shtar Lomali. Freeing an Evid Ivri, you free him with a Shtar? Why do you have to free him with a Shtar? Tell the servant in front of a couple of witnesses. Zil, go. Tell the court. Zil, go. Meaning, what's the Gemara asking? If I own something, I have a sense of ownership of something, how do I free? I just say, it's not mine anymore. I'm mafkirit, right? I go free. So what's the Pshat that I need a Shtar? So now let's just break up what the Gemara is saying. Buy an Evid Knani where it becomes your asset. Not only like, you know, you own an animal, but it's even more. There's a sense of ownership where it's spiritual as well. It's infused as a part of your home, Vahule, and this and that. So there the Pshat is, the Torah says that there has to be a Shtar Shekhar. But Evid Ivri, the Gemara is saying, it's like a worker. So tell him, don't work for you anymore. Well, 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 why, why do you need a whole Shtar over here? There was a real Kenyan. This like, he was a worker. So you tell your worker, don't have to work tomorrow. Why, why are you making this so complicated? How does he leave? What do we see from here? It's not true. And Evid Ivri, even though it's limited, he's only like a worker, it's only for six years, but in the duration of his term, this taka achalais, that his body is nickness to the master, despite the fact that he's, that he's a regular Jew. So therefore, if you're waving, you're just waving the remainder of what, what you have, that can't be waved because since the goof became nickness, there was a mix as Kenyan that he had, so therefore, it cannot be freed unless there is a star. But we're just saying the star works because if I see it works to free an Evan it could work to free an Evan Ivory as well. Okay, then the Mishnah said, Yisera love Almaha Ivriah, the maid servant, the girl, has another way that she goes free. How does she go free? If she becomes a Nara, if she displays signs of 
um, of, of the space signs of physical maturity, two hairs. So then she also goes free. This is for an Amar Ivriah who is only sold as a Jewish girl by her father while she's a Tana. Once she turns 12 and she has the signs, so then she goes free. So Amar Ishlakish, there's actually another way. If her father dies, remember, she's only allowed to be sold through her father. Her father is selling her. So if her father subsequently dies, she goes free, from her master's jurisdiction. We're going to show that it's a Kavachomer, that her father dying triggers her to go free. Basically, the idea is that really she's under jurisdiction of the father. The father can sell her as, as, as exercising what his jurisdiction is. But if he dies, so then she has no right anymore to be held by somebody else. So what's the source for this? When she becomes a Nara, does she leave her father's jurisdiction? She does not. Remember, when does a young girl leave her father's jurisdiction? Only with Bagros, only when she becomes completely mature at 12 and a half. Nonetheless, we find that the Simanim, the first signs of physical maturity, make her leave the Mishos of the Adon. So then, the death of the father, which removes her completely from her father's jurisdiction. There's no idea that when the father father dies, you know, like it passes to his Yarshim or anything. No, she's, it's her own. If she makes, if she has a job, she keeps her own, her own, her own income after her father dies. So certainly to remove her from the master's jurisdiction. So one, one more time, once the Kabbalah Chomer, Simonim are not Motsi Mishos Av, but they are Motsi from Mishos Adon. So Misa, which is Motsi from the Mishos Av, certainly should be Motsi from the Mishos Adon. Says the Gemara, Mesvei Ravoshi, Ravoshi has a kasha on this from our Mishnah. The Mishnah said, he said, The Mishnah said, if you goes free with one more way, with physical signs of Nairus. From Misa, if it's true that she goes free, if her father dies also, Nisinami Misa Sa'av. Why didn't the Mishnah say Misa Sa'av? The Mishnah omitted that. Must be it's not true. Says the Gemara, classic answer. Or a ton of the Mishnah said certain methods, but it left out others. Says the Gemara, you can't say that unless you know it already left out another one. If it already left out something, and you could say add this to the list, but if this is the only thing it left out, it looks it looks a little weak. Says the Gemara, my Shire, the High Shire. What else did it leave out that you can justify leaving this out? Says Gemara, Shire Misa Adon. What about the basic idea? If the master dies, if the master dies, and every doesn't get passed to his children. Right, Evid Kanani, it gets passed as Yerusha. Evid Ivri, it doesn't. So that could have been a way that the maidservant goes free. The Mishnah didn't list it. So don't get worried that it didn't list the father dying also. Says the Gemara, that's not a good answer. You should miss this out in If you're talking about that, because it left out the death of the master, that's not considered an omission. Given the economy Lokatani, the Mishnah is trying to highlight things that are different between the boy and the girl. If it's if, if this also could apply to a male servant, let's say I have a Nirza and the master dies, he goes free. So the Mishnah didn't teach it. So now the Kasha comes back. We lost the defense. El Nisni. So which, if it's true. That the death of the father frees the maidservant, the Thomas should have taught it. Says the Gemara, The Mishnah is only talking about things that are defined about when they're going to happen. Six years, we know when it's going to happen. Yovel is very clear when it's going to happen. Gira and Kasef, it's clear when it's going to happen because the, 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 the slave can do it whenever he has money. But something which has no set determined time when it could happen. There's no predictable time when the maidservant's father is going to die, so the Tana did not include it. Says the Gemara, is that true? And again, it doesn't mean it's not true. It is true. The Tana only was listing the things that are predictable. Says the Gemara, when does a girl get, her, get, get, get the physical signs of, matur- of, of maturity? That's also not necessarily determined. So, so why? Because if she gets it, and sometimes girls will get it younger, and it's, it doesn't free her. It has to be over the age of 12. So it's not necessarily determined when it can come. You have to wait. Says the Gemara, yeah, they don't have, the, the signs of Nairus do not have an upper limit. In other words, what we're saying is, if she grows the hairs any time once, once she's 12 years old, that, that makes her not, that makes her, that makes her free. So they don't have a kitzvah, they don't have a kitzvah on top when it will come. We don't know when exactly it will come when she turns 12. 
They have a lower limit, meaning to say they don't make her an hour if it's under a certain age. So I think just, I think I may have misspoken just one second. The Shakur tire is like this. The Gemara was bothered that they don't have an upper limit, meaning it's not predictable when they're going to come when they're 12. Once or 12, who knows when it's going to come? Some girls get it now, some girls get it later. So the Gemara, yeah, but they have a lower limit. That's the point. So therefore it is, it is defined as something which has a set time because you have to wait till 12 until the, until the Simonim can free her. So therefore it does fit. Where do we see the point that the signs of puberty do not work unless it is, uh, hits the threshold of 12. The Tanya says in a price of Let's say you have a nine-year-old who grows two hairs, Shuma. We just assume it's just like a mole. It's not actually real signs of maturity. But if, let's say, the hairs grow from sometime between nine and 12, so then it depends. If the hairs are still there when he turns 12, Shuma, we still say, the Tanakama says, it is a mole because it grew before the age of maturity. No, if it's still there at that point, then we still assume that it is, that we assume it is a simon. If the hairs were grown when he's 13, and one a day, everyone agrees such a thing is a simon. So all that we're showing with this is that, um, that there's a lower limit. That is the point here that we want. So the girl who gets the hair uh, before the age of nine is not considered a nara, even if the hair came later. It just stayed until later. So after all is said and done, what have we defended? That we're, maybe we're only saying things that have a devastational kitzvah, which have a set predictable time when they'll happen. Misa sa'av, maybe Rishlakish is right that it does free her, but since it has no time that we can predict and nothing to work with about when it's effective, so therefore we omitted it from the list, despite the fact that, uh, in fact, it is true. This is always, we see from here, this is always the big idea, right? You don't really become bar, bar bas mitzvah with age. That's not the truth. You become with the hairs. The hairs that come before are not a real hair. So it's true you need age, but you need age not being out age, right? You need the age. The lumbus always is, is that before that we assume the hairs are not a real indication that those things are a sign of maturity, but it's really all about the maturity. Similarly, if the age comes and the hairs are not there, you're not fired by Smithsville, right? That's all about the, the, the hairs being present and nothing really fundamentally to do with age. Says the Gemara again. Nikasha Mishlakish Mishlakish said that the Oma Ivriya goes free with the death of her father. Matzav Rav Sheshes Rav Shimon Oimer. So now we're going to be talking about the din of Hanaka. Hanaka is that when the Eved Ivriya goes free, what did we read? Parshas Re'e. You have to give them gifts. We'll be learning about this a lot. So it says Dalim Anikin Lahem. We give the gifts to four categories of slaves who are leaving. Gimel Beish, Gimel Beish, Gimel Three that have to do with the man, and 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 three that have to do with the woman. So let's just clarify what's going on here as an introduction and then we'll, we'll get into it. So basically, we're going to learn that there are types that which, which get a little bit complicated. Let's say one was a fugitive. He ran away and then he came back. So that might not be so clear. We're going to learn at the bottom of the Abba that they have to be, they have to be gifted. Yotzeb Begir and Kesef, where they force their own freedom. He has to, now the master has to give him money also, has to give him gifts. We'll learn about that. That might not be so clear. It might be one, it might be not the other. This Tana, the one who's speaking here, is going to omit them at all. He doesn't hold the Boreach, or the one who's Yotzeh Begiri and Kesef. So there are four that we're talking about. What are the four that we're talking about? So Rashi tells us what the Gemara is thinking right now is the following four. Let's say six years, that's the classical case, six years pass, or it's within the six years, but Yoivel comes, or you have a Nirzah, a Nirzah is going free when the master dies, or an Amar Ivriya is going free when she becomes a Nara. That's what we're assuming the four are. So that's why we're saying it's not four in one. It's three that apply to a girl and three to apply to a guy. You don't have four that involves any one gender. You'll never have a case of Nara's freeing a man. Remember, a woman cannot become a Nirzah. So you'll never have a case 
of the Nirza applying to a woman. Because again, the Gemara thinks now that the case of the master dying for some reason is only on the Nirza. So that's not going to apply to the woman because a woman can't be a Nirza. Fine. So those are the cases. Misa, if there's another category that frees a, sla- a, 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 a slave girl. And the case is when her father dies, like Rish Lakish said, listen to me, Misa Saav. So what about Misa Saav? Why isn't that a category where I'm going to give them gifts? Imagine the girl, young girl, her father died. Now that's being motzi, or like Rish Lakish said, from the Rishus of her master. Now there should be gifts. Maybe you're going to say the same thing over here, that it left it out for Abogatani. It said a number, right? It said four. So clearly you're not leaving anything out. It said there are four categories. Maybe you'll defend that, the idea that since there's no determination when it will come, we're not teaching it. We don't mention the death of the father because there's no, there's no way to predict when that will happen. But what about Simonim? I'm going to go down this again. Simonim, it said Simonim. You're going to tell me like Rav Safra that, 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 that there is a fixed determination for the hairs because under the age, then they mean nothing. So that's why they were included, but Misa Sa'av is not. But think about one that was included. It spoke about the death of the master. That certainly also has no determined time when it's going to happen. Ukutani, it still listed it. So if you're going to say the, let, the death of the master, list that in the Brisa. So say also the death of the father must be. It's not true what Rachel said. The death of the father will not trigger the girl to go free. Says the Gemara, actually made a mistake in what you were assuming. Really, we're not speaking about things that don't have a predicted time. Misa Sa'av was not one of the categories of the four. In other words, the Gemara is making a big, a big switch. We assumed until now that, we, that one, of the, one of the four that we were talking about was the Nirza who goes free with the master's death. And the Gemara is saying, no, that's not one of the four. It's true that he gets the gifts, but it wasn't listed because there's no predictable time. So okay, if you're not listing that, then so what are the four? Again, you're not listing like Rich Lakish's case because there's no predictable time and you're basing that off the fact that you're suggesting now that you're not listing Misa Sa'adon either because it has no predictable time. So then what are your four? You've got the Sheishanim, you've got the Yoivel, and you've got Nairos. You've got her signs, but you're missing a fourth. So the Gemara says, listen to what you have here. You have Shonim, the six years. You have Yoivel, the Yoivel Sharetziah. What we're saying is that there's two types of Yoivel. There's one Yoivel within the six years and one Yoivel on and Nirzah. So there's two different types of Yoivel. And in the Hebrew, and those are all set predictable times. So those ones are listed. But again, we are omitted the Misa Sa'adon because there's no predictable time. And then that's the license to say it left out Misa Sa'av also because there's no set time. Says the Gemara Hanami Mestaba, it makes a lot more sense to say the way we said that the death of the master wasn't included in the four. Tiktani Sefer, what did it say in the Sefer? You can't say four in one gender. There's no Nirsa and Isha. So if it's true that one of them was the death of the master, by a woman you could find four. What would happen if the master dies? The master that death doesn't have to free Nirsa, it could also free her within the six years. Must be, we're never talking about the, the death of the master. The death of the master was always omitted because that's no predictable time when it's going to happen. The only thing we were talking about was, was Shanim, Yovel, Yovel of Nirza, and Nairus. Now we understand why you can't find all four in one gender because you never have Nirza by a woman and you never have Nairus freeing the boy. So we've defended Reish Lakish. Says the Gemara, let's try again Akasha and Reish Lakish. Again, does when the father dies and she has been sold, does it free her? These are, the, these are the servants that we give gifts to when they leave. They leave after six years. Or the death of the master. Or the maidservant when she gets an iris. So this Bryce has said explicitly, And what did it not say? 
It says Elu. You can't say it left anything out. It said these. These is mashma all of the things. Maybe you're going to tell me it's only telling me something which is determined what's going to happen. But not something which is undetermined when it will come. But it safra that the signs are considered fixed when they will come because they can't be effective under the age. But that's the main point. It said Mises Adon. I don't know why it took the Gemara so long to get the point. It said Mises Adon. If it said Mises Adon, which is not fixed, and yet it didn't say Mises Av, then very clearly we have a Raya Kenegad Rishlakish. The death of the father does not free her. Says the Gemara, Tifta Rishlakish, Tifta, done, rejected. Says the Gemara, Rishlakish, Kavachamer, Kamar. Didn't Rabbi Chomer, didn't he have a great point? Remember what was his point again? Simonim are not Motsi Mirishos Av and are Motsi Mirishos Adon. So Mises Av, which is Motsi Mirishos Av, all the more so it should, motzi, it should be Motsi Mirishos Adon. Says the more Kavachomer Pricha, it was a wrong Kavachomer. Why? You could object to it. When you have signs of Nairos, that, those are more. Why? Because they change her body. It's a stronger Motsi. The reason maybe why it's Motsi her from the maidservant's body is because she was, her body as a young girl was a maidservant. But the change in her body is Motsi. Whereas the Misa Sa'av is not a Shinoi. It's not something which changes her at all. It's just a, a, a context that, 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 that is now changed in her life. But it's nothing about her which changes her. So let's just try to understand the lumdas of what the Gemara is saying. Because at the end of the day, the Kavachomer is still there. You're bringing the concepts. But the Misa Nairos, despite the fact that it's a Shinoi Gov, is not Moitim Rishwasav, and it's still Moitim Rishwasav. So then the Misa, which is Moitim Rishwasav, should still be Moitim Rishwasav. What's the point of the Gemara? But the, what the Gemara is speaking was to the, the essence of why. Why a freezer? What's the assay? To be freed, you have to become different from the matzah that you're in. So she was a maid servant. So when her body changes, that's why it's mighty her. Misa Sa'av is not a mighty from the bylaws of the master. That's the point that the Gemara is making. The fact that the father dies shouldn't be a svara trigger for her to go free from her master. All right, now we get into Machlokas here. Tanik Hanan one Brisa says, "Evidivi laatzmo the gifts that are given to Evidivi go to him himself." The Anak Amar Evidivi laatzmo the same thing if it's given to a Hebrew maid servant, the girl she keeps the gifts. But Tan Yidach a different Brisa says, "Anak Amar Evidivi umitzias al avia the gifts that the maid servant gets and any lost objects that she finds while she's under her master they go to her father." The master only has a claim to be compensated for the lost time. In other words, let's say there was a lost labor because she was pausing to look to find something. So then he gets the batala, the lost labor, but he doesn't get the value of what she found. So what, what do we see? We see that there's a machlokas between two brides. Who keeps the maidservant's gifts? Is it keep, be kept by her or does it go to her father? So the Gemara says, my love, ha, the nafka b'simanim. It depends. If she's nafka b'simanim, so she's being nice, she's leaving because she's a nara, so the father keeps the gifts because Anara is still under the jurisdiction of her father. Whereas the first price means that the father died and the father's out of the picture. So now the girl was being freed because her father died and she's keeping the gifts for herself because her father's dead. So this is we rejected it, but here we see he must be right. Says the Gemara, really when the father dies, she's not freed. She's leaving because of Nairus. For Lokasha, it's not a question. Just one is a case where the father happened to be alive and therefore he's keeping it. The case where she keeps it is where the father happens to be dead. So really, it was never the death of the father which was freeing her. Both cases, she was becoming freed because she became an Ara. Does the father get the gifts or does she keep the gifts? It depends. If the father is still alive, they'll get it. If he is dead, then she will keep it. 
Says the Gemara. Now let's try to analyze some of the sources for those prices. The idea that the Hebrew, the maidservant, goes to herself. And the point is that her brothers don't inherit her and the rights. How do we know that brothers don't inherit the, 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 the rights to their sister from their father? The says they are a heritage. slaves go to your children below, but no same But your daughters aren't meant to be passed down as Yerusha to your boys. No person does not bequeath the, the schlusim that he has and his daughter over to his son after his death. We said that the Evid Ivri, his gifts, he keeps himself. Why is that a chiddish? Whose jurisdiction is he under that you would think they go to somebody else? And Evid Ivri, he's in his own domain. Of course he keeps his gifts. Why does the price have to say it? He's what's the chiddish here? Oh my Ivri, it's a whole chiddish. He's still really an hour under her father's rishos. But, but, but by an Evid Ivri, what was the chiddish? I see a small yud that's a big city. What does that mean? Something big that for no reason became bigger. That's a way of saying the Brisa had too many words. You're right. The Brisa was too lengthy. There was no Chiddush in it at all. This is something that we spoke about before. Let's say you owe one person money and the person you owe money to owes money to somebody else. So normally we say that person one and three connect and they can directly say you owe me money. You can say, what do you mean? I don't know who you are. Yeah, but if you owe the person that I lent money to, so then you owe me money. So normally we would say, Say over here, Evid Ivri, say the same thing. Give the gifts to the Evid Ivri. What if the Evid Ivri owes someone else money? Then the gift should go to the person he owes. So the Pasuk, no, there's a special me at low. We give it the gifts to him, and even if he owes somebody else money, the creditor cannot automatically go and collect from those gifts. Says the Gemara Gufa, we learned earlier. Those are the four people who get the gifts. So now we're going to talk about who doesn't get the gifts. Avo Barech, a runaway slave. He ran before his term, his term was complete. The Yotzebegir and Katsef, or if he forced his freedom by paying the, the, the balance of the bill. In Manikin, lo, they don't get the gifts. Remeir Omer, no, not necessarily true. Borech, Manikin, lo, the one who ran away doesn't get the gifts. The one who forced his freedom by paying, Manikin, lo, he does get the gifts. Rav Shimonim, Rav Shimon says, there are four So now we see the context where Rabbi Shimon is coming to say specifically, I hold the runaway does not get and the Yotzi Begirin Kesef does not get. So now the Gemara wants to look into the source for this Allah. Maybe the Hanaka should only be Yotzi because if you look in the context in Parshas Re'eh, it's talking about someone who worked for six years. It says he worked six years and then when you send him free, don't send him away empty handed. Now the how do I know someone who dies or, or the death of the master or who gets her signs of Naras that they also get gifts it's an extra word you should send him and then again again it says and when you send him so there's extra words in the Psokim so we darshan that the, anyone who is sent away once we're being marbe, so maybe even the one who is the runaway slave or the one who is, who is forcing his freedom through Gerion Kasef also gets the gifts. When you send them away, free from you. So what does it mean you're sending from you? It's only if the catalyst for the sending is you. He, he, the master chose to make him free. In the case of the runaway slave or the case of the where he paid the, the how much money was left, there it's not through the master's choice. That's 
that's through the initiative of the slave. So therefore, uh, therefore he doesn't get it. It has to be from you. It's interesting because the yovel is automatic. So is that from you? Yes. It's from you in the sense that you're honoring a halacha. Whereas here, it's the pshat is that it's the slave who's triggering. Whenever it's the slave who is the catalyst for the freedom, then they don't get it. So that's the view of the Tanakhama. Mayor Omer, Barech, yes, it's true, the runaway doesn't get you. That's not from you. The Tanakhama, Rameir says no. Rameir says, Giryon Kesef is you sending it away. Why? Because you receive the money. So even though he has the right to force you to receive the money, but by then you receive the money, you then go in free. So therefore, you do, in fact, have the right to do it. Let's just make one more point in the Gemara. When a person runs away, they have to complete the remainder of the term. You don't just, there's no free lunch. What's the halacha if a slave runs away? He has to come back and complete the terms. So then what's going to happen? He'll come back, he'll complete the terms, and then he'll leave after the term is up, after six years. So one, why shouldn't he get the severance? Yes, he took a bad break in the middle when he ran away, but eventually he came back, finished the term, and you, you should give it to him. And the Gemara proves that this is right. I mean, How do you know that the runaway slave is obligated to return and make up the time that's missed? Extra words, it's supposed to be a complete six years. It's not, you know, you start on the clock, 2023, and then add six years. That's when for sure it's going to be over. It's six years of work. So, yeah, okay. So then he's going to have to come back. If he should complete the term, he should get the gifts. The bride just finishes off. What if he gets sick? He didn't run away, but he got sick. So he didn't work for six years. You always go free in the seventh year. So if you get sick, then, well, you don't have to complete the term. No, it's six years. You just... Do, do six, you don't have to complete six years of work, you just complete the term. Masha'ink, and what are we saying about the Boreach? The Boreach, what's the halacha? The Boreach has to come back and complete the term. So if that's true, so he completed the term, so shouldn't he get the gifts? So the Gemara explains, Amar says, you're right. In a regular case of Boreach, what would the halacha be? He would come back, complete the term, complete the term, and get the gifts. Achmaiskina, what are we dealing with in the case where we're saying he doesn't get? The case is, he ran away, and then Yoivel came. So if Yovel came, then he doesn't have to work finish. So now Yovel's freeing him. That's you freeing him. Therefore, there shouldn't be any kinas that we should give him the gifts. Come and then no, he hasn't done six years of work, and he really should have done that if not for Yovel. So therefore, the kinas is that he doesn't get it. So it's a fascinating thing. A regular runaway slave. What are we coming out? He has to come back, finish six years of work, then he would get the Hanukkah. But in the case where he ran away, and now Yovel comes, even though legally Taka, now he is free. But there's a penalty here on him that since he ran away, he hasn't done as much work to the master that the master really is entitled to, then he doesn't get the Hanukkah.